Astrid and Jamila would like to acknowledge that this podcast was made on the lands of the Wurundjeri and the Boon Wurrung people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging and we note that this sovereignty was never ceded. Hello and welcome to Anonymous Was a Woman. My name's Jamila Risby and I'm joined, of course, by my co-host Astrid Edwards. And today we're doing things a little bit differently. Thanks to Hachette Publishing, this week's episode is called Host's Pick, which means Astrid is bringing one of her favourite recent reads and I am bringing one of mine to the table and we're going to unpack them together But Astrid, before we get to our novels of the day, with the freedom of no theme, I want to ask you about freedom to read. And I want to ask you about access to books. Because I think you and I are kind of, I mean, we're deeply privileged when it comes to reading, aren't we? We are on so many levels. We both had a great education and reading has always been part of our lives. But we get sent a lot of books And we can also afford to buy books. So we are literally currently surrounded by stacks of books and we are in the same room, which is also lovely, but we're really lucky, right? And I teach and I spent my lockdown wandering around Fitzroy and looking at all the empty street libraries. And I just wanted to say that I think that everybody who can, I would ask you to support reading and literacy in really tiny, minor ways. I think that is a really lovely thing to say. We have a street library on our street. It's not in front of our place, but it was a joint project of a bunch of neighbours. And I love just going to see what people picked up because I am often the major contributor to that street library. I love seeing what people chose and wondering who the person was that picked up that particular book and wondering what they'll think of it. But you're right, access to books is privilege. There are so many kids who grow up without books in the home and there are so many kids who grow up whose parents or guardians don't have the time and space or inclination to read with them and that's not a criticism in any way everyone's circumstances are different and reading is a luxury but I think it's one of the most important shapers of my childhood and my life and it helps me understand the world. So I think any way that our listeners can contribute to the sharing of books and the sharing of that knowledge, we would really appreciate. Yeah, reading is freedom. I get sent a lot of books, as we've said, and often I get sent doubles. I don't need doubles of books, and I take all of the doubles, and there are quite a lot, and I leave them in the street library outside the Fitzroy Town Hall. And I often walk past that, And I am always surprised at how quickly the books go. They go within a day. That means people are watching that library ready to take the books. And that makes me really, really happy. But it also makes me really, really sad that people might not be able to afford to buy them or they might not think they have access to a library. And they're waiting for people like me to give books away. And I just hope that when you see the street library, you put your books that you have finished reading or that you don't want or that you don't have space for or that your kids have grown out of in those libraries and more people get to read. Ah, 
Astrid, I'm so excited about this one. Tell me. I am here to recommend today Fleischman is in Trouble by Taffy Brodessa Ackner. I have not read this. You are smiling now and I know that you have been telling me to read this book for a while and I haven't got there yet. It's really good. It's really good, everyone. I am going to give you the heads up, though. I'm not going to give horrific spoilers, but I am going to give you a really key stylistic spoiler. So when that happens, I'm going to give you a heads up and I'm going to give you five seconds to tune out, folks. I love this. Do you realise that spoilers are actually a particular subculture of the fantasy genre? Oh, God, it's always coming back to fantasy. (laughs) i give you a spoiler heads up, folks, in case you want to say, no, 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 I'm going to go and read this book and I don't want any more information. So the novel is about a guy called Toby Fleischman and he is a man in his 40s and he is going through a truly bitter divorce. His wife, Rachel, has vanished and she has left him and his two kids behind He believes she's gone to a yoga retreat. Like permanently, forever? Yeah, she's just gone. She's just gone. He thought she'd gone to a yoga retreat and then she just never came back. So he is well on from that time now and he's moved into online dating. He's trying to move on with his life. And while the story is told in the third person in such a way that you don't really like him, you kind of just have some empathy for him. You want to know what happens? You want to know what happens. You're invested in him. You kind of feel a bit sorry for him. I'm not sure I like him because <laughs> he's kind of gross sometimes in the way he talks about women and the way he goes around his life. Nonetheless, our narrator is sympathetic to Toby, so you become so through him. As Toby is going about his kind of gross dating life and talking about G-strings and ass cleavage and side boob and all these things that he thinks are attractive, you meet his friend... Libby, who initially shows up as this kind of elusive presence and she pops up in the asides and you realise that she's the narrator. So Libby's the actually the one who is talking about her friend Toby. And this is where the spoilers come, folks. About halfway through the book, Libby and Toby are talking, except Toby is too distracted by his dating app to actually be listening. And Libby points out that she is a real person with her own interests and... This whole book, all we've been talking about is Toby. And it's really annoying her. And Toby shoots back at her, what possible need could you have? And suddenly you rethink the 200 pages previous because you realise that Libby has been narrating Toby's story and we don't know anything about Libby because when they're together, he only talks about himself. So that's all she has to draw on. And from there we're on, we go on this exploration of the fact that as women, we have become accustomed to telling men's stories. Oh, now I finally see why you're recommending this. Because I was sitting here, I'm like, ask cleavage and G-strings, why is Jen recommending this book to me? And we realise that we tell our stories and we write our stories through the eyes of men. And we even see other women through the eyes of men. And so this sort of asymmetry emerges about who the book is actually about. And as we move into the final third of the book, Libby tells us more about her. Libby tells us more about the women that Toby has been dating from the women's perspective. And she brings back his wife, Rachel, into the story. I want to know what happens to Rachel. The second half is completely different to the first. Jem, you have sold me on this one. Yes, good. It's really good. It's like you start and 
it's an enjoyable, interesting read, but you're not quite sure where it's going and it's slow and well-written and it kind of ambles about. And then it's like when the sort of twist moment came in the middle, I shouted out loud in the bedroom. Oh, that's always a good sign. All right, so that's the plot and the characters and a little bit of a spoiler. What about the author? So... Taffy Brodesta Ackner might be a familiar name to you. She is a New York Times magazine journalist and she's actually best known for her celebrity profiles. Ooh. So she wrote that Gwyneth Paltrow profile for the New York Times magazine. She wrote an amazing, quite famous profile of Jonathan Franzen and many, many others. This is her debut novel, but it is clearly the work of someone who is extremely accomplished because what she's written is unputdownable. It's incredibly clever and you get to fall into this world and this mystery that explores not just the roles of men and women in relationships and parenthood, but the expectations. So going back to your mild spoiler, is this a feminist book? Where are we left with the women in this and how do we feel about the representation of women and how women get to tell their stories and have their stories told? I think it's definitely a feminist book, but it traps you in the beginning because I'm going to be honest, I got invested. I got invested in this guy and I got invested in his story about how he's so misunderstood and his wife's left him and it's all so hard and he's got to bring up these children and I started to really care. And I didn't think about his wife's perspective that much. And I didn't think about the perspectives of the poor women he was dating. The story was set up to me to care about the man's version of history only, which is how most stories are told to us in this world. So I think it's feminist in that it seeks to force us to unpack our own reading and who we side with when we read. I love that. And I think Toby through Libby's voice, because Libby is the narrator, is telling us about a marriage and the breakdown of a marriage. And I went back and read the book again and he blames his wife for everything. It's about how his partner made the marriage fail rather than recognising that a marriage is always two people. Like, by its nature, you are both responsible. And I think it was actually best put The New York Times reviewed their own writer and her (laughs) book and Tom Ratchman wrote the review and in one point he says, this is a potent, upsetting and satisfying novel illustrating how the marital pledge, build our life together, overlooks a key fact. There are two lives and time isn't a sharer. You cook dinner or I do. In marriage, your closest ally may end up your nearest rival. You complete me is an awful lot of pressure. Okay, Jam, today I want to recommend the collected works of Favel Parrot. So not just one novel, but all three of Favel's works, as well as the new kids book she has coming very, very soon. Have you read any of Favel's works? I have. I've read There Was Still Love, which is the one with the fox on the cover. So There Was Still Love is Favel's nearest work. It came out about two years ago, I think, and she has previously written Past the Shallows and When the Night Comes. Now, these are all relatively short novels. I'm thinking about, you know, 250 pages, a little bit more. So these are not long reads, but they are delicate, 
They are tender. They are full of love. So here we are, Jam. I am recommending new books about love, but it is not romantic love. Fable explores the love of siblings. I love that because, I don't know, I think so rarely do we focus on these relationships that are so fundamental to our lives. You know, my sister has borne witness to my life longer than my husband will ever be able to. Yeah, and it is such an unappreciated and underexplored love that we can have, you know, if we do have siblings that we are close to. I don't know Fable personally, but I have had the pleasure of interviewing her a few times and she always laughs at how her brother in real life, her real sibling, often says, don't write me into your next book because she is exploring their lifelong bond. So in her first book, Past the Shallows, it is set in Tasmania and it is the story of brothers growing up. I'm not going to give you plot details, but we are looking at brotherhood and siblings in that sense. Her second one, When Night Comes, is a boy and a girl, also set in Tasmania, but there is a trip to Antarctica. So we are very much in the Southern Hemisphere and a whole new landscape and what that prompts when you are on an icebreaker heading south. And then a very, very different type of sibling love and relationships. Her third novel, There Was Still Love, the one that you have read, Jem, is actually set between Prague and Melbourne. And it is the love of two sisters who are literally forced to live on the other sides of the world. And because of communism, they can't go and see each other. These all sound terribly compelling, and I know that There Was Still Love certainly is. Are there any similar takeaways about the sibling relationship across the three? Yeah, so it is about love and familial love. It is siblings are always kind of of an age with us, so they go through life together. It doesn't mean that the relationship has to be perfect. It doesn't mean that the relationship has to be an easy one, but siblings are a witness to what we do. And Fable continually through all of her works does explore it. It's almost like that is the theme that runs through all of her books. I would also say they are light. I don't mean light in terms of content or light in terms of the the seriousness with which she explores life and love and pain, but they are literally the story of people's relationships. So there are no grand adventures. There are no grand disasters. It is people. These are very human stories with such a delicate, yeah, I want to say it again, a delicate light touch that won't take you long to read, but I think you will find them very satisfying. And you mentioned she's got a new book coming out, I think for children. Yeah. So the new book is Wandy and it is about a lost dingo cub. It is illustrated. So this is for much younger readers. What intrigues me about this is that Favel actually works with dingoes in real life. Oh, wow. So she's writing about animals she's comfortable with, that she knows. Absolutely. She hasn't just picked a dingo because, you know, there are dingoes in Australia. Favel is very much tied to the environment. She's a surfer. She spends a lot of time in the surf and in a dingo rescue sanctuary. So this story, Wandy, is again about a lost dingo coming home. And I have a feeling she's going to do it really well. I get the sense that her novels have a strong sense of place. Is that fair? Oh, absolutely. That is fair. So Tasmania, Antarctica, 
the icebreaker to get to Antarctica and then Melbourne and Prague. And Prague is obviously very, very far away. Fable's family did come from Czechoslovakia. So she has a very close and intimate tie with that part of the world. And I mean, you can taste the food that she describes. You can smell the scents that she describes. Fable knows her place and time. Now, I suspect there's going to be a lot of people listening who know Favelle Perret's name, even if they haven't read her work. That usually means she's won a good solid handful of awards. Favelle has won a good solid handful of awards. She has been shortlisted for the Miles Franklin Literary Award. She has been listed for the Stella Prize and... When you pick up my copies of her books, they're not the original copies of when they were released. And there's just this whole long list of awards that she was she either won or was nominated for. So if you have walked into a bookstore or a library, you will have seen a stack of Fable Parrot's works sitting there. And honestly, I recommend next time you see them, you pick one of them up. That's it for Anonymous Was a Woman for another week. Thank you for giving us your time and your attention and I hope we have left you with some truly wonderful recommendations for your reading weeks ahead. If you would like to make sure that you never miss an episode of Anonymous Was a Woman, then you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. While you're there, why not leave us a rating and a review? It helps other readers find Anonymous was a woman. We'd like to thank Bad Producer Productions and Future Women for helping us make this work. But most of all, our thanks goes to Hachette Publishing, without whom this season of Anonymous was a woman would not be possible. We have one more week's worth of episodes left in this season and our theme is tomorrow. We will see you in a few more days. <laughs>